Hey everybody, this is Luis, and you're listening to the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation instructor that happens to cuss and at times be wildly inappropriate. On this show, I break down the woo-woo teachings of yoga and connect them to the real world. My goal is to show you that you don't have to live or look a certain way for yoga to affect you physically, spiritually, and mentally. You can be an ordinary yogi just like me. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ordinary Yogi Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about our relationship with food and how certain yoga practices and lessons can maybe help us look at them through a different light if we're trying to you know, do better about our eating or just be a little more mindful of what we're shoving down our gullet. This episode is for you. Now, I'm going to mention some things and practices in here. Specifically, I'm tying them to food, but just keep in mind that as I'm talking about this, this can be applied to just about any sort of, you know, vice. It could be, you know, your phone, uh, electronics, uh, fucking coffee. It can be anything, right? Uh, the lessons in this episode are going to be trying to just about everything, but I'm just going to wrap it around food because food is such a huge part of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And now we're so fortunate, you know, if you, depending on where you live, that we have food in abundance fucking everywhere and our relationship with food can change so much depending on how we're looking at it depending on how we're feeling depending where we are so i think it was really important to put this out there um, because again food is such a huge part of our lives and i think it might be beneficial for somebody so for you know my story as i mentioned before i was a really heavy set kid and i often talked about talked to my wife about this sort of stuff and she asked me like well what was it that made you eat all this food and I couldn't really give her a specific reason other than I loved eating I just love fucking shoving shit shit in my gullet the act of it made me feel really good was I probably lacking some love or something Eh, probably but I was a kid this is how I coped and I just love eating I wasn't hungry I just fucking love snacking cereal everything and you know as I progressed and I started losing weight I got another relationship with food where I kind of split them into two camps, which is this is really good food and this is bad food. And if I eat bad food, I, you know, quote unquote bad food, I would feel really, really bad about myself and like punish myself at the gym. And, you know, fast forwarding through just, uh, you know, exercising, dieting, getting older, getting a little wiser when it comes to food and everything. I now have a really great relationship with food. I feel Um, I'm pretty still narcissistic about what I eat just because I like to eat a certain way, you know, my typical plate is some kind of meat, vegetables, some kind of rice or potatoes, and like some oil or butter on top of it. And that's fucking what I eat all the time. But I look at food kind of just as, you know, it's just fucking calories that I need to fill my fucking my body. Um, But there's also a very special power that food has in our lives, right? It's very situational it can be for example if you're going to the movies you don't even have to be fucking hungry but you want some popcorn why because you're at the movies and that's what you do at the movies right you eat popcorn food is also very very social and that's one of the superpowers it has is it can bring people together and you you laugh and you share plates and you share stories it's a very powerful thing right throughout the holidays as we're getting into right now um that's a whole nother thing where it's a very social thing And it can even be very, very comforting. 
Uh, and this is a very slippery slope, right? And that's why I call it comfort food because some of the stuff just makes you feel like, oh, this, this, this takes me back. This makes me feel really good. Um, some like macaroni and cheese or for me, it's Mexican sweet bread or pan dulce. I rarely have it because where I live. So when I go home and I have it with my cup of coffee, it's like, oh, this is a, this is fucking what it is about right now. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just when we start to go down that path and we start using food as a, as a pacifier, which is not its intention, right? When it's most basic thing, food is, are just calories that help us keep us alive. If you, you know, rewind back hundreds of years, thousands of years, there was no like, hey, let's go have a drink and have some food and just like that. No, it's like we need to eat or we're going to die. But now in the time where we live, where we have so much abundance of food and snacks and processed foods and everything, it can be very, very overwhelming. And, you know, you know, there is a, an obesity epidemic in the country, you know, whatever, how do you, how do you feel about it? I, this is my opinion of a, of a non-doctor, but I feel like the heavier you are for your weight, it tends to be harder on your body and it's just a, not a good place to be medically, right? You can still love your body however you want. That's fucking, that's up to you. I love it and love you more power to you for doing that. But in my opinion, like the heavier you are, your body's just probably not having a good time going up the stairs. So this brings up to diets, right? Diets are a big thing. And there's fad ones. You know, you got your keto, you got your carnivore, vegan, all this sort of stuff. And what I feel is really wrong with these things, first off, is a diet is a usually a temporary thing. And you see this a lot with like 30-day fucking gut busters, whatever. I'm going to restrict the shit out of your calories, put you in a little box of what you can and cannot eat for 30 days, and you're going to lose weight because you're restricting your calories. That's just kind of basic fucking basic math there. But as soon as we get out of it, there's nothing that's really changed your relationship and how you look at food. So you just go right back to how you were eating and that the weight gain comes back. So that's what one of the things that's really wrong with diets. The next thing is very, very restrictive. And I think just we as people are very, very rebellious by nature. So if I tell you, hey, fucking stop eating ice cream, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I'm going to eat a whole fucking pint tonight just because you told me not to. And that, as we do that, right, and we fall into this cycle of restriction, then we eat some food that we're supposedly not supposed to eat. We have this kind of shame. It could build up like, oh, God, why do I keep doing this to myself? And it's kind of like I eat because I'm sad and I'm sad because I eat. And it's like, oh, it's just this never ending cycle. So the shame is also another part that's just very, very unhealthy. The way we look at ourselves and the way we feel about ourselves by the food that we eat. And the last thing is you might build some resentment, right? When you're out in a group and it's like, man, I told these fools that I cannot eat whatever food. And yet here we are at this restaurant that serves nothing but this food. I'm stuck to eating fucking, I don't know, a side salad and water. And that's all I can do. And it builds a little resentment and it kind of causes turbulence in your relationships. And again, you know, these things are for people like to say, I can do this for a long time, but the the reality is most of the time you can't. It's for like a very short window, then you fall off the wagon, you get back on. But the the big thing, overarching thing is how do we look at food and how do we use food in our relationship with food? So how does this all tie to yoga? You may be asking. Where? Way back when, when I first started this podcast, I talked about the eight limbs of yoga. You know, the first two are the yamas, niyamas. Third one are your asanas or your yoga poses. Fourth one is pranayama or breathing exercises. Now, the fifth limb of yoga is when we start to begin 
and diving in. And this is called, this is sensory withdrawal or pratrihara. And this limb of yoga is very, very important, often overlooked. And when we go within, what that means is we start to draw away from all of our senses. One of those being, you know, our taste buds, our hunger, just for this, this episode, right? But it could be anything, right? Anything that gives us pleasure or, you know, temporary pleasures. It could be sex. It could be pornography, uh, drinking, uh, alcohol, you know, whatever, right? And we start to withdraw. And as we, why we do this is to dull in the constant distractions that we have in our lives, which in this day and age, we have so many distractions that are going on, right? Not just our roles and responsibilities, but all the outside things that are just trying to grab our attention. All the indulgences that we have at our fingertips now, whether it be a nice little snacky snack you can get yourself in the cupboard, or just scrolling on your phone, just getting that fucking dopamine hit every time you, you open it up. And these are temporary pleasures. And the reason we go into this is because if we don't check these things, these could eventually become kind of addictions. And we're all kind of addicted, right? I will admit, I'll be the first to admit that you take my phone away, I'm doing like the, I'm feeling my pocket, seeing if it's there. And like, if it's there, I feel safe. If I'm, if it's not, I'm like, oh my God, where's my phone? So we're all kind of a little bit addicted. It may not be full out blown addiction. You know, I know that's a serious thing, but I'm just kind of pinning the picture here that we all have something that we're very, very tied to that gives us these temporary pleasures. And we attach ourselves to them so much that we're averse to getting away from them or not having them at our fingertips or, you know, whatever. So doing this sense we withdraw, we really start to reveal our relationships with these outside things that give us these pleasure. And, you know, in yoga and, you know, meditation, mindfulness, all that stuff, all that happiness and fulfillment, it, it comes from within, right? And that's the, the big thing. If we're constantly distracting ourselves, we never get a chance to dive in and seeing what exactly is going on inside of us. And our senses, again, are like children. They just want constant pleasure. They want to look at cool things. They want to feel good. They want to, but it is up to us, you know, as the adults to maybe sometimes withdraw ourselves from all these things just for short periods of time, just to see how our relationships really are and how we really are away from all these things. And it's very, very beneficial to do that, to do on a temporary fast. And that is one of the practices that I'll talk about today is, you know, fasting. And intermittent fasting has become very, very mainstream and like, oh, I have this, I have that. It's very beneficial. You know, it's it's another diet, I, get, I would call it. Uh, it's mainstream. But, you know, if you kind of look every, past everything, you're really just restricting calories, right? Instead of eating four meals a day, you're now eating three or two, whatever. So long-term, I mean, it could work. I know a lot of people that do it and they're really successful with it and they like doing it and they can sustain that thing for the long term. Awesome. Some people just use it again. The intention is just this like six-week period, I'm going to do this, then I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. But fasting is a very, very um, uh, big practice, right? And a lot of religions have fasting in them at some point. You have Ramadan, um, you have some Lent in Catholicism. It's been a part, and it's a long-term practice. There's a lot of science and stuff behind it, you know, if you want to dig into that. But, you know, aside from all that, no one's going to fucking look at science studies. But you look at anecdotally, right? If it's in these all religions, it's been done for thousands of years. And a lot of people find it very beneficial. 
And what I find is good about it is all about the intention of why you're going to be doing this. Intention is absolutely everything. If you go into this thinking, oh, I'm just doing this to get abs or whatever, that's probably not the best way to go about it. You want to go in with the fact that I'm going to go in to see how I am without my food. And the emotional and mental gains that you get from this are, I think, very powerful. You know, you will survive without food for 24 hours. For this episode, a prep for it, just show how fucking dedicated I am to you guys. I did a 24-hour fast because I hadn't done one in a really long time, and I wanted to see, like, how that felt. It's been, it's been a while. And, you know, I, you start to feel like, am I hungry or am I just bored? Am I, or I find that I get hungry around this time or when I get stressed throughout this day that I'm not eating, I find myself very, very, very hungry and I'm reaching and craving these certain things. Those types of things are going to be, I think, really, once they reveal themselves, are very, very powerful because they start to show like how the outside affects your inside and you can really start to like think about these things without, again, being distracted by the food once you can hit these triggers and you start to recognize all these triggers and maybe, perhaps, find a way to go about it. If you really stick to your fast for that one day, you'll learn, well, you'll have no choice but to push through and then you realize, oh shit, I didn't die. I'm still here. I'm still breathing and I feel okay. So, and it also serves as a, a mental and a physical reset, depending on how long your fast is. Again, mentally, you look, you feel a little bit, I mean, a little bit of clarity. You know, I mean, you can still drink tea and coffee as long as you don't put anything in it. Um, but you start to realize again your triggers. And then physically, you start to really, you can really reveal how certain foods affect you. Um, you know, as far as like inflammation, maybe some foods after you eat like a fucking slice of pizza, you're like, Ugh, oh man, this does not make me feel good. You can start revisiting that relationship with that, with that certain type of food. Or you realize, you know, when I eat vegetables and fruit and some kind of proteins, I feel pretty good. I don't feel like, I don't feel like this big bloating in my stomach. So that's kind of the, the physical reset you can do as well. So how do I do a fast? Okay. Now going in, it's all about the intention. And my wife will be the first one to tell you when uh, I'm always concerned about food. Like if we're going somewhere, I need to know, is there going to be food? What kind of food is there going to be there? What time is the food going to be ready? That lets me know, like, do I need to eat before? Do I need to take a snack? But if I know, again, if I tell myself I'm not going to eat for a whole day, if I prepare myself for it, like, all right, bet I can do that. Not a problem. I'm not expecting to have food and it's not there. That's like the worst thing ever. It's like, oh, there's going to be food there. And then there's no food there. Oh, fucking forget it. So it's all about intention, preparing yourself for it. And then realizing this is a practice. This is for my mental, physical benefits. It's just to see how I am without this certain thing. Again, I'm using food for this episode, but it could be, you know, your phone or whatever. Second thing is just make it easy. Um, For me, I ate, I went from like five to five in the afternoon, one day to the next. Uh, I made it easy for myself because I was at work majority of that day. And that was easy for me because I just didn't pack any food for me that next day. I just took some teas and like some dandelion tea stuff. And that made it a lot easier. If I were home, that would be way harder because we have access to all the foods here at our house. So that's how you make it easy. The second thing is advise family. If you have a family or if you live by yourself, that probably makes it even easier. And just let them know, hey, I'm going to be doing this um, just so they can be aware, (laughs) just in case you get a little grumpy when you're hungry. 
um, just that sort of stuff. It's good to involve your folks and that way they can probably support you and maybe back you up or maybe join you depending on what kind of relationship y'all have. Now, during the fast, again, it's just water, what I did, water, tea, coffee. I didn't have any coffee. You can have coffee, straight black. And that's about it, right? You just kind of push on about your day. And luckily I was at work and it kept me busy. Now, coming out of the fast, this is where you got to be very, very careful. Again, your food and your stomach kind of gets a break from digesting all these food. You know, we're always ingesting food for the most part in the day, but the digestion part of, the, of our food takes a lot longer. So we're always kind of churning food in our stomach and getting all the nutrients out. That process is always going on. And then eventually we poop. So your body's had a nice break from not having to digest food or just finishing up everything that's already in there and how the food that you introduce after a fast, it needs to be very, very easily digestible. You may want to go ham on like a large pizza, cheeseburgers, fries, but please don't because it's going to hurt your stomach because your stomach's going to be like, what? I haven't had anything in 24 hours. You're giving me this? So I would recommend like some broth, something very easily digestible, some white rice, Something to just get the digestion started and then you can move in and start eating those regular foods that you would normally eat. Um, just again, fair warning based out of uh, experiences that I've had in the past. So that is, you know, the fasting part. But this can, can go into any type of thing, as I mentioned before. Social media is a big thing. If you want to take a fast from that, making it easy, taking those apps off your phone, putting your phone away when you go lie in bed. All these things, right? Electronics, alcohol, anything that you feel, you know, I do this every single day. I need to uh, probably take a break. You know what I mean? It's healthy to do that every now and then. And, you know, if fasting isn't a thing for you, you're just like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I get that. We could also introduce mindful eating. How the fuck do you eat mindfully? Well, by eating mindfully, I mean sitting down and eating without any sort of distraction. Not having your phone out, not listening to anything. If you can, you know, eating by yourself. And, you know, when we're distracted while we're eating, if we sit down in front of the TV and we eat, there's been studies that show you eat about 10 to 15% more than you normally would because you're so distracted by watching the thing or the phone or listening to whatever that you can't hear the cues from your body saying, all right, I've had enough, I'm full. So if we eat mindfully, just sitting there, Chewing our food quietly. I know it sounds like you're sitting there like a serial killer, but trust me, it's it's very beneficial. Chewing your food, you know, 30 times like your mom used to say, because that's where digestion starts and it's going to make it easier on your stomach. And it gives your stomach time to tell your brain, hey, shut it off. I've had enough. So that's another practice you can have, uh, introducing mindfulness to where you're eating. You know, taking a bite, chewing it without any distractions, swallowing it down, and it's a good way to, and you'll probably eat a lot less than you think you would because you're actually being able to pay attention to your body and its cues. Um, you know, these, my son, I used to get really frustrated when he wouldn't eat, but, uh, the doctor kind of mentioned that at his age, he's really in tune with his body saying like, uh, you know what, today I'm not gonna eat that much. You know, the, the next day I might be really hungry. So I'm gonna eat a lot more today. And it made me start thinking and, and kind of digging in. It makes a lot of sense that, you know, back in the day, um, we would eat, you know, some days, some days we wouldn't, we would never know when our next meal is coming. So we, we, as people, as humans, I think we're really used, we can survive by eating a little, very little to nothing one day and a lot the next day, because that's how we, 
you know, through hunters and gatherers. That's how, how we survived. But, you know, because of where we are now, we're so rigid with like breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe some snacks in between. And that's what we feel what life should be like. But in reality, that's not how, <laughs> how animals are. So I, I use my son as an example because like yesterday, that fool had, I make him eggy milk, which is two egg yolks mixed with milk. I heat it up. Don't worry. There's no bacteria in there. And he had that in the morning. He had some oranges and some white rice and he was fine. Like we tried to like keep offering food, but he didn't want any. Today, that guy has had chicken. He's had a nectarine. He's had a muffin. He's so it just fluctuates, right? And he's listening to his body and I'm really doing my best to be like, just not shove food in his face because I want him to be in touch with that, to be able to be like, I'm good. I'm not eating today. And maybe tomorrow I'm going to eat more. So that is all I have this week. Um, so the takeaways are, you know, the fifth limb of yoga, pratyahara, is a very important thing um, to withdraw all our senses or just to take a break from everything, right, from certain things. And that allows us to dive in without any distractions and really see what's going on underneath. In a world of abundance, it's always good. It's not always a good thing, right, to have so much pleasure at your fingertips. That itself is its kind of own form of hell, I feel. And I heard this quote, and I thought it was really fits to what we're talking about today. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have to, you know, create these challenges in our lives today. We have to kind of create our own famine for now, you know, unless some crazy shit goes down. And I think that's really beneficial, not just for resilience, but just for our health, right? So just take a break from this shit every once in a while, whatever in quotes shit is to you. And I think you'll be much beneficial that way. That is all. I appreciate you all for listening. I hope this makes somebody's day better. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, please leave a rating review. Send this to somebody. If you're listening to it, take a screenshot, sort of share it on your social medias. Send me a message if you like what you're listening to or if you have an idea for a future episode. I really appreciate you all listening, and I will talk to you next week.